We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Filato. And we are going to continue our draft profile series tonight by breaking down Miami edge rusher Gregory Rousseau. Rousseau, after dominating the 2019 season, opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID, prepared himself for the draft, and he's a very interesting prospect, as I think we'll kind of uncover tonight. Nick, I'm pretty excited to talk Rousseau with you. Where do you want to start with Greg? I think we could start with his upside, and it's safe to say that he has a ton of it because he's incredibly long. He's has a high center of gravity, plays kind of high, which is something you don't necessarily like, but he's not somebody who, at least in college, gets bullied all that much. He doesn't get pushed off the line of scrimmage like you would expect somebody to play that high with this thin and lean of a frame that he possesses. You'd expect him to get bullied. You didn't necessarily see that. Now, then you look at his production. Now, he had one year of just insane type of production for the Miami Hurricanes. He had 19.5 tackles for a loss, 15.5 sacks, 54 tackles, but... A lot of these sacks, and I'm not trying to poo-poo this player, I do think he has a ton of upside, a lot of these sacks do come against guards when they kick him inside, and he's just kind of using his length to take advantage of guards who aren't going to be NFL players, and he uses his lateral agility because he is a good athlete as well to just kind of establish the half man, use his length, keep his chest clean, and then just get to the quarterback. But when you look at him, especially on the edge, you see a very, very raw player. You see someone with no plan. He knows that, hey, I'm a long player. I can use this sometimes to my advantage. Uses a solid long arm with his inside arm sometimes, to be honest, to try to go inside on inside pass rushing moves. 
But in all honesty, I don't see a player who absolutely knows what he's doing. I just see a dude kind of running into tackles a lot of the time, trying to use his length, but there's no plan. It's like, oh, my first move didn't work. Now I'm just going to try to shift left and shift right and win that way. He's not necessarily someone who bursts up the edge, bends through contact, dips and rips underneath tackles in that kind of manner. So I see a very moldable player, a kind of a lump of clay right now where great coaching can unlock this this talented football player but that talented football player isn't necessarily fully developed yet despite the fact that he had that great season at Miami and I think that's an excellent place to start Nick because if you looked for the key takeaways something that I would say I think zoned in on when it's Rousseau it's just what you said he's a ball of clay now there's been prospects like him I think that have come out not in the sense of exactly fitting his profile specifically but just in the sense of a ball of clay that can be molded Daniil Hunter comes to mind a player who really ended up sliding in the draft because a lot of people didn't like his production and they felt like it was a reach and and ultimately the Vikings ended up molding his skill set his length and burst into one of the better pass rushers in the NFL when I watch Rousseau though I don't see Daniil Hunter actually see a player who somebody made an excellent comparison to and I don't think it's one for one comparison but when I saw it I was like you know what that's who I kind of noticed when I was watching uh Rousseau and it's Jadavion Clowney it's not what you would expect and he's not quite as strong as Clowney is but that I think can come with time the strength I think can come in time I think he has a ton of room to grow into his body for starters and I think more importantly what you said he has a ton of room to grow as an actual pass rusher from a technical standpoint and from like you said having a plan having moves because remember in high school he played wide receiver in safety he converted to defensive end very late he's only 20 years old he's a redshirt sophomore he hasn't played the edge position that long and I agree with what you said when you watch him it's not hard to see you're gonna see a lot of sacks that feel like eh, those were kind of did he really do a lot to get that sack did he kind of fall into that sack and that's definitely something to consider but it's for me with Rousseau what intrigues me is it's the production was off the charts it's not a Daniil Hunter where it's just length and raw moldability it's production both in the passing game but also in the running game that's what really intrigues me he had big time numbers in the running game he generated 40 run stops on just 234 run defense uh, snaps in run defense 17.1 percent run stop percentage according to pro football focus that's unbelievable if you look at those numbers that's unheard it's almost unheard heard of for somebody to be that productive in the run game on such a on a person that basis and that is because of his length and because of his strength and because of you know his ability to play to that level in the run game and so I'm really intrigued by that I also mean if you're just looking at the raw production in the passing game and I know we both agree that some of it was kind of him falling into the sacks or him beating replacement level talent at best if you looked at it from an NFL standpoint these guards in the ACC don't often end up starting on NFL teams but even so he generated a pressure, a sack, a hit, uh, or a um, hurry, or a hurry, on roughly one of every six snaps as a redshirt freshman. One of every six snaps as a 19-year-old. It's incredible, and you look at that body, and there's so much room to grow. Six foot seven, two sixty-five. He could get up to two eighty. I mean, he could be that next JPP like body type. I don't think he's the kind of athlete JPP is. I've seen that comparison too, but I don't think I mean JPP was reeling off eight backflips in a row. He's not <laughs> he's not exactly as bendy as JPP and like you said, he doesn't really show off that like edge bend and he doesn't though I did think some he he on some snaps I thought he did a good job of conv- um sorry, converting speed to power, which I think is really important at the next level. I think that's the easiest way to get sacks honestly, or at least the most consistent way. And I would agree with that too. I think the Jadavian Clowney 
comparison is interesting. Clowney, I believe, was more explosive yes. than someone like Rousseau. And I don't think Rousseau is not explosive, but I think Clowney has much more explosive ability. But like we saw with Clowney, he came into the league and it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't really have a plan. But like the athletic traits and the size and the strength and the speed, all those things would suggest that this guy's going to be an excellent pass rusher. And he was a good pass rusher, but he also never really had a plan. He just kind of tried to beat people with speed and use his heavy hands. But you can see some of these edge rushers in this class, they have a plan. They will have a first move. If that move gets stopped, they have a counter move to that. They know how to string moves together to maximize their ability to beat the tackle or the guard. And they know how to use their feet and their hands in conjunction with each other. Rousseau doesn't really have any of that right now. Now, it could be taught for sure, but this player might be somebody that's going to be selected in the first round. He may not have a huge impact in year one, but again, he had a lot of his success being kicked inside to guard. Now that suggests, is that translatable to the NFL? Is he going to be able to do that against a lot of the interior offensive linemen who are NFL athletes? That's definitely a a question mark, but it's hard to find athletic players with this much body control and length and even strength despite the fact that he's 260 and can add another probably 15 to 20 pounds so there's there's I can see why coaching staff are going to be intrigued by Gregory Rousseau oh easily because usually when you describe a player like you just described the production doesn't come with it it is all just length and body type and can we mold him but the production production was there it's not just the 15 and a half sacks it's 19 and a half tackles for loss 15 and a half sacks 19 and a half tackles for loss you don't see that kind of production as a 19 year old playing in a one of the power five conferences over a 13 game span or whatever they played that season so it's really quite incredible for me if you're going to take a Rousseau at 11 let's say you're really banking on the upside there you're banking on what Nick said he's not going to be worth the 11th pick probably in year one unless he can uh, you know surprise us and beat NFL level guards because he will in my opinion if at least in year one be more of an impact more of have more of an impact in the passing game on the inside rather than off the edge but what you are banking on is a prospect you're drafting somebody who you think can eventually like nick said learn to have a plan in the pass rush game i don't think that to me like learning a pass rush plan is not the same as a quarterback's accuracy or a wide receiver's hands things of that nature which are harder to work on learning a pass rush move can be i'm sorry learning having a pass rush plan can be learned at the next level especially when you consider the fact that this guy again hasn't played the position that long former receiver former safety so he's growing into not only his body but he's growing into the position so i'm very intrigued by rousseau my question for you nick my next question for you would be do you feel like he has the frame to step right into the nfl right now on with the giants on the and and with patrick graham and at least be somebody who can maybe not start but be on the field for key snaps pass down snaps or you think he would immediately need to add to that frame he's going to need to add to the frame i would say the nfl is going to put him in their weightlifting program for some tuna sandwiches and some pbjs down his throat and he's going to put on some weight but i still think he would be a solid person to bring onto the field in these pass rushing sub packages, put him inside or even put him on the edge and have him do a variety of different things. I think he would be an interesting player in Patrick Graham's scheme if we're going to be real, but I don't think it's worth the 11th pick with the current state of the Giants as of right now. That's something I I would not want to sign off on. He's not an elite athlete, so I think that's going to hold him back. I think he's, you know, he's a good athlete. He can play in the NFL, but he doesn't have those elite kind of characteristics that you're looking for in an edge rusher. But to your original question, I I think he's going to need to add 10 to 15 pounds to be an effective every down type of player in the NFL. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I wasn't even diving into kind of the the eleventh pick overall standpoint. That's interesting, or you know where Patrick, where he fits in Patrick Graham. I do want to get to that. I will say this though: if I'm a general manager, I'm if if someone said you have to take, you can't do take any other position. You're stuck at eleven. You have to take Quiddy Pay or Gregory Rousseau. I'm taking Rousseau ten of ten times. I'm not banking on a player like Pay, who I think, like you said, can be a solid NFL player. I can also see scenarios where Pay is just not that effective as an NFL player. To be completely honest with you. From, from what I've seen versus a Rousseau who to me has ton of upside. I mean, I, I get it. There's a low, low floor with Rousseau that you don't see with a player like Pay, but I'm just not of the nature of looking at things on a one-year lens and also of kind of... I it, it, This kind of maybe goes back to kind of the whole Andrew Thomas versus Tristan Wirfs and Kai Becton debate that we had last year, and I just never saw taking a player like Thomas at four. Now, after how Thomas finished the season, I'm really happy to say that I'm excited as hell about Thomas. I think he's the Giants' literal best prospect on this roster by far when you factor in age and importance of position. And he's really ended up, I think, kind of rising to a point where I think he can reach that floor and maybe even a higher ceiling than initially expected. But as far as pass rushers go, I'm really looking for a little bit more than than what I've seen from Pay. And so with a guy like Rousseau, I agree with you. It's not good value at 11 because you're not getting somebody with like Von Miller's type edge bend or somebody who has any kind of elite pass rushing trade at this time. But I do think it's interesting. I would not take him at 11 either at this time, and I probably will land on not taking him at all at 11. But I'm at least more intrigued by him at 11, I guess, than Pay. He has a higher ceiling, I think, than Pay. I think that's safe to say. But Pay has a, I would say, a much higher floor. I think I think Pay is going to be a good football player. I think he's going to be, like, yeah, yeah, he's a good football player. So, similar to Rashad Weaver, the kid out of Pitt. I don't see an elite, any elite kind of trades. And this is like a second round, maybe a third round type of prospect. But I see someone who really knows what they're doing. Somebody who knows how to play the edge position. But I don't see those excellent type of athletic traits that you really want in an edge rusher. Now, I think Rousseau really was one player that, 2020 really affected and hurt because he opted out of the season for his reasons to prepare for the draft and he leveraged the fact that hey I had an incredible season in the ACC and I'm gonna just sit on those stats I don't need to play 2020 and he didn't and that's his prerogative and that's fine but if he came out and mounted another season of that type of production we're talking about a top 10 pick here and I look at Dave Gettleman Dave Gettleman puts a lot of stock in experience starting games Rousseau doesn't have that so I don't even know if that would be, I feel like, a little bit out of character if Gettleman were to go in that direction. Oh, I think you're completely spot on with that. If we've learned anything about Gettleman, it's one, he cares a lot about games started at the collegiate level, and two, games started in Power 5 Conference. Specifically, he likes the SEC and the Big Ten. And I think that with Rousseau, he might fit into a bucket of players the Giants are not interested in at all. I think you could be a spot on about that, 100% right. Um, as far as Rousseau goes, though, I am interested to hear your opinion on from what you've seen his hand usage as a pass rusher because I've actually seen a lot of people say that he that is one of the traits they really like about Rousseau I honestly I don't see a plan I mean I think he has heavier hands but I don't see somebody who really knows exactly what they're doing so okay. I'm, in, I'm interested to see who um or what context that they're they're exactly talking about because I see somebody who can shed and use his length and keep his chest clean which he has done and then he can use his hands to get inside and establish inside placement on their chest in run game situations but in terms of pass rushing I don't necessarily see someone who knows exactly what they're doing I mean and if you look at it like that if he I would say you always looking for an elite trait when you're kind of 
evaluating any prospect of any position, in my opinion, because that's kind of what you want to find as it translates to the next level. It's not easy to find players who translate. You're going to find a lot of players who dominate college and end up doing nothing in the NFL, in my opinion, from a production standpoint there versus in the NFL, because they simply just don't have the physical tools to translate to the next level. And I'm not saying Rousseau will be one of those pass rushers, but I'm saying that at this position, it's more likely than any other position for that to happen. We've seen countless, countless, countless examples of pass rushers with production at the collegiate level that don't carry over. So if you're looking for one elite trait, and it's not hand usage, it's not his plan, and I guess you could say it would be his length, but I also think that from what I saw, he did an excellent job, Rousseau, of closing out plays. I think he does a very good job of turning like, like I said, turning plays that could be pressures or hurries or, you know, penetration into the backfield on a run play into actual tackles for losses and sacks and hits. Yeah, I think he does a good job getting his hands on these ball carriers. Yeah. There were a lot of times where they would use him in zone reads as the read defender, and he has the ability to sit there, use his length, and leverage it very well by, okay, I'm going to wait to see who has the football, and then whichever player takes it, whether it be the quarterback or that running back, he's pretty instinctive on just diving after them, using the lateral agility ability to explode off of one leg, and then using that gigantic tackle radius to at least slow that person down or make the tackle. That's where a lot of tackles for loss ended up coming on the edge. So I, I think that's a good take right there it would be interesting too to envision Rousseau in 2021 on the field in this Patrick Graham defense with Leonard Williams with that with Dexter Lawrence it's just a whole lot of length on the field at once a lot of length a lot of size it's interesting to think about I don't know where would you envision the Giants playing because here's how his snap breakdown went for his last season in Miami which is 2019 he played 422 of his snaps on the left edge he played 68 on nose tackle 19 left interior def- as a left interior defender, and this is according to Pro Football Focus. Five as a right interior defender, two over the slot, and then one as an inside backer. So really, he did most of his work on the left edge. Where do you, but that's obviously a very different system at Miami than what Patrick Graham runs with the New York Giants. So where would you envision him playing snap-wise as a rookie? Yeah, and left edge is also, if I'm not mistaken, if he's the end man on the line of scrimmage and he is a three-tech or four-eye tech, who's consider tech him, they'll yeah. consider him the left edge. And that's, I think, another reason why there's so many snaps there. But I think if he were to be in the Patrick Graham system, he would be Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown. Only a significant upgrade over those players, obviously, in my opinion. But I think that he would slide into that edge role. Now, I saw somebody who dropped in the coverage sometimes. He seems like he was fluid enough to do it. Like, more... I would say fluid like Kyler Fackrell in that in that kind of sense. And I'm not comparing him to Kyler Fackrell, but he can execute that role to the boundary when the team decides to run cover three. So you can kind of disguise what you're doing. He doesn't always have to pass rush if he's in that situation. So that's where I would slot him in, to be honest. And you can kick him inside on obvious passing situations, third and seven plus, if you want to really use his quick, for, like the quick first step to take advantage of a center and then his length to you know, keep him at bay, and then hopefully he develops some pass rushing moves and a type of plan to defeat him. I think that would be a wise move, but if you had to nail down one spot, it would definitely be on that edge. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I would love to see him drop back in coverage. I think his length could actually help there, and I think, like you said, he could be at worst what Kyle Fackrell was, which was never a liability when he was dropping in coverage. It may not have been the ideal situation for the Giants, but it was never a liability, and so I'm interested to see that, but we've kind of already settled in here, Nick, on not being interested in Greg Rousseau at pick number 11. However, if the Giants are to execute for the first time in Dave Gettleman's history as a general manager in the NFL, a trade back, which I think at this point, having discussed with you off pot enough, we're both very open and interested in the idea of trading back. I think you're 
open to it to an extent of you even find going down really far and getting a ton of picks. I probably still want to stay in a certain range where I could get one of the big three corners or one of the receivers, or and I'm including Kyle Pitts in that, or at worst, a Mika Parsons type. But having said that, if they were to trade back maybe a few spots or however many spots, where would you be comfortable selecting a prospect like Rousseau? Or would you just not have him on your board? I mean, I would have him on my board for sure. It would be end of round one or something along those lines like in my mind honestly i would rather the giants trade back to just throwing a number out there 27 28 and drafting jalen phillips than taking gregory rousseau at 11 and then the giants having all those other picks that they're going to get from that type of trade like i really hope by some miracle one of the quarterbacks one of the big four quarterbacks falls to the giants at 11 and then a team deep in the 20s goes to Gettleman, and then the Giants just get a bunch of picks for day two and three because this is a deep class. And this is not only a deep class, but it's a deep class at three positions. Edge, cornerback, wide receiver. Three positions that the Giants really need to upgrade. So I really want them to get more day two, early day three picks. I think there's tons of edge rushers even in that range that could step into the NFL and be a solid player. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to turn down a trade down of any kind, pretty much. This is my personal opinion on the draft. It's a total crapshoot. You're better off taking more swings and having more dart throws. The best best GMs, in my opinion, understand this concept. Having said that, I am a little less open than usual to going all the way deep into the 20s because I do have my – at this point in time, at least, Mika Parsons, Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley, or one of the big four uh, receivers, and I'm including Kyle Pitts in that. I kind of want one of those players on the Giants. This, is, this isn't Mika Zibanejad, all right? That's a New York Ranger. It's Micah Parsons. I'm calling him Mika, all right? <laughs> Mika Parsons. Any Ranger fan would appreciate that. Right, it is Micah Parsons, though. But you know what? I, these, this is going to be the first of many, many mispronunciations oh, I'm right there with of you, player bro. names throughout the draft process. But Micah Parsons, you know, I'm at the point where I think if the Giants move into the late teens via trade, they can make that. But like you said, a, I'm never going to turn down a trade down. B, it's just not going to happen. B, it's going to be dependent on what you said. If a team really has their eye on Trey Lance, who will probably be that last quarterback there, in my opinion, they're going to move up from any spot. It could be late 20s. It could be early 20s. It could be the late teens. It would be a similar situation to what the Chiefs did to move up for Patrick Mahomes, but it could be even further back. So it's hard to say if a team has their eye on a quarterback, they're not going to take a chance. They're going to try to move up for that player. And so if a deal presents itself, I hope Dave Gettleman's willing to listen. I ultimately don't think that will be the case. I think Gettleman is a big time see him, get him type of guy. I think he falls in love with prospects. And I think he always, at every pick that he'll always have, he'll always be like, we're getting an incredible value here. This is my 15th rated prospect and it's pick 40. We can't afford to trade back because we have 15 here at 40. So I'm not optimistic about it, Nick, but I think you pose a great idea, man. Man, If they moved all the way into the 20s and got a player like Jalen Phillips or whoever there, I mean, there's going to be receivers on the board of value there. There's could be corners on the board, edge as well. They're going to have so many more picks in day two and three. I just have this feeling that it's going to be Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddle, who's going to be the Giants pick at 11. And I think, I don't even know, man, all four of those big quarterbacks, which is BYU, Zach Wilson, obviously Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. Then you have Trey Lance out of North Dakota State and Justin Fields out of Ohio State. With the, I know it's going to be, there's going to be a lot to happen with free agency and some of these older quarterbacks, as we just saw with Jared Goff and Matt Stafford. All four of those guys could be bumped up in the top 10 because there could be teams that are going to be desperate to find that type of dude. So I'm not sure if there will even be a quarterback that's going to be worth that at 11 for that kind of trade back. But that would be, I think, my ideal situation. 
Yeah, it would probably be mine too. It depends where we go, but I agree it would be my ideal situation. I'll say this though, if we're doing those kind of takes, my take right now is going to be where it probably stands. I do not think Dave Allen will move the pick, and I think he will draft a offensive playmaker at the pick. He has tipped his hat in every season as general manager. He tipped his hat on Barkley. He tipped his hat on Jones. And last season, to an extent, he tipped his hat on the fact that they were going to take an offensive tackle at four. He made it clear the next step in this process is to build an offensive line for the quarterback. So he is a see him, get him type of guy. He's not very open to other ideas in my mind. So it will be a playmaker. However, my call right now, Nick, would be that Devontae Smith will be on the Giants after uh, this draft. I think at pick 11, the pick will be Devontae Smith. I do not think that Devontae Smith will go before 11. And I think it'll be Waddle and Smith both on the board. I think by that point, Chase will be gone. It'll be Pitts, Waddle and Smith all on the board in my would be my guess at 11. And the pick will be Smith because he has a lot of things Gettleman's going to like. He has big time production. He's a leader type. He's older. Gettleman doesn't care about that. He is... He's not going to care as much about the combine type stuff. He's very super productive. I think he will be the pick at 11 over the other two. I think Gettleman's going to be very concerned about that weight, though. I think he's going to see a 165-pound receiver. How big is Waddle, though? Waddle's like, what, 180, 190? I don't think either of them are too big. But, but I mean, yeah. Waddle's like five foot eleven though. He's a right. little bit smaller, to right. be honest. And I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really excited to dive into their All-22 film if I can find my way into some, which I feel like, I mean, I think there's That'll some on Caddy's cut yeah. and stuff like that. So... I'm really intrigued because I'm not totally off the Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith thing as Me of right either. now, which I don't feel like a lot of people are. I think I might be Waddle the, over Smith. Especially for the Giants, too. So, right. and, I, and I love Smith, but I do feel like he might fall. Just as of right now, the Senior Bowl just happened, and for those of you who don't know, Devonta Smith refused to, to weigh in. So he went down to the Senior Bowl, has a broken wrist, so he can't practice, but he didn't do the weigh-ins, and a lot of people were pretty pissed about that because they want to see how much he weighs. I think it's a wise move because he's going to go, he's going to put muscle on somehow and try to get himself to like 175, which is still so like. I mean, I think I think uh, Deshaun Jackson was like 170, 175 when he was drafted. Longer but too. They're talking about Devonta Smith being 160. I just love how people are getting pissed at these guys for not winning. Yeah, it's, it's like internet yeah. heroes and people who covered the draft or to any extent for any publication are getting mad at Devontae Smith, an athlete, for not weighing it. This is like when they got mad at Kyler Murray with all the height stuff going on with him. It's just – it's so funny to me that that will happen. But Kyler re- Murray's the shortest five foot ten person. <laughs> he in the world. is, he is. But guess what? It hasn't really mattered too much. He was almost through the first half of the season. He had a case to be the MVP of the NFL through the first half of the season. Obviously, got injured and things slowed down there for Arizona. Yeah. I think they're terribly coached too. And also, don't don't get me wrong, everybody. If it is Devonta Smith, I would be totally happy as well. I just think teams are going to have hesitation because of the weight. I like Devonte Smith a lot. It's Devonta. Devontae Smith. It's I not like. Tay. It ends in an A. It's Devonta. But no, everyone That's, just says Tay. It is Devontae Smith. It's Devonta. It, you, you have an atrocious pronunciation <laughs> of all Devontae's in the, in the NFL and around the world. It's not Devontae Freeman. It's Devonta Freeman. No one, no one first of all, They're no saying one, it wrong. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> we'll find that out on a later podcast. I'm sure people will chime in on that one. But... Again, I'll be interested because I don't think the Giants can go wrong with any of those guys. My my, The two guys I think are on a clear tier of their own would be Pitts and Chase. Having said that, I think Waddle's speed is that elite trait that gives him kind of that next jump. And then Smith doesn't maybe have any kind of on-paper elite trait. But when you watch him play, it's easy to see that he is 
unbelievably explosive after the catch, can get vertical and win in that way as well, can really win in a lot of ways against some of the best competition. So we'll see what happens here. Dave Gettleman's made it clear the Giants need playmakers on this offense. Apparently, that's the only reason they were 31st. It had nothing to do with the fact that the protection was bad at times and Jason Garrett was running a 2010 offense in 2021. But having said that, I digress, and hopefully it'll work out in Dave Gettleman's vision. But with that said, we got to circle this back to Rousseau at least a little bit before we get to a few listener questions. So I want to say this. You mentioned Giants trade back in this scenario. They go all the way to 25, and they take Jalen Phillips. Let's say in your scenario, Nick, the Giants trade back all the way into the mid-late 20s, and both Rousseau and Phillips are on the board. As of right now, who would you take of those two? Honestly, I really do like what I've seen from Jalen Phillips, and I... I might go with Phillips, to be honest. I think he's a more polished product. For those who don't know, Phillips was the first overall recruit in the 2017 recruiting class by a lot of different outlets. He went to UCLA. Now, this is where I lean Rousseau, but it depends. It all depends on the medical, and that's far beyond my comprehension as of right now. He left UCLA because he had concussion issues, but then he entered the transfer portal in 2019, came back to football after briefly retiring, went to Miami, had to sit out entire 2019, so he never even got to play with Gregory Rousseau. So in 2020... It was Quincy Roche, the transfer from Temple, and Jalen Phillips for the edges for Miami. And I think all three of these guys are going to be like top 75, top maybe even 70 picks. But Jalen Phillips is somebody not a lot of people are talking about right now, but he's a very good football player. And as of right now, I may lean Phillips. It's interesting. I mean, for me, I would be scared as hell off of those that's, medical that's issues. That's the thing. Yeah. I've had this. I've been down this path before with Owe Digazua. I don't like this path with prospects at all. You have major medical red flags. I'm talking ma- mainly from a skill set standpoint. Yes. But yes, if you factor that in, then I th- would probably lean Rousseau as well. Sure. And even then, for me, from the skill set standpoint, I, I do like Rousseau's length. I am a little bit worried, though, with the Rousseau. You're going to end up getting a guy who's better on the line than off the edge. And they really don't need another one of those guys. So it kind of turns me off in general from Rousseau. I think as we wrap up this podcast, at least on Rousseau, because we're going to get to a couple questions from the listeners. As we wrap up on Rousseau, I think our key takeaways here are pretty much the same. We're not really interested in him at all at 11, and even trading back, neither of us are too excited to get him on the team. And it's not just because, oh, he's going to be a bad football player. It's more the state of the New York Giants. That's really what we're, I think, at least my concern. I'm sure that's your concern, too, because I think Rousseau can come in the league and be successful. But right now, with the state of the Giants and the lack of depth at a lot of key positions, I don't think investing a first-round pick on somebody who is relatively unproven outside of one season and who is pretty raw would be the wisest move. And that doesn't seem wise for Gettleman either, a long-term project for somebody who's going to get fired if the Giants <laughs> suck next year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. My, my biggest um, concern, though, is the fact that I think ultimately he might be someone who wins more on the inside than wins off the edge. And the Giants just simply can't keep dumping big assets into inside pass rushers. They really, really got to stop. They have to stop. They need to... There's just so many positions that impact the NFL that they haven't been taking big swings on. Edge, corner, they ha- they, they signed Brad there, but they need another swing there. I know they did it with Baker. It didn't work out. doesn't matter. Now they're back to the drawing board. They need another swing there. And then finally, receiver, as we've talked about, or just playmakers in general. All right, let's dive into some questions from the listeners. All right, the first question is from Just Some Dude. He says, Dan and Nick, I noticed you and others talked about drafting players and talking about how they fit in Patrick Graham's defensive system. But should that be a fa- play a factor knowing Graham is only signed for this next season? I'm curious on your thoughts. I think you're trying to maximize the season that is in front of you. Now, the players that will be selected, they would be good for Patrick Graham's system, but that doesn't mean they're going to be bad in another system. They're typically going to be 
good football players. So I think you draft for the season. You, you draft for the future as well, but they're not going to be like, yeah, this guy fits in Graham's system, but he might not fit in the system for next year, so we're not going to take him. So I, I don't necessarily think NFL teams view it that way. Yeah, and I also think there's merit to the fact that, listen, you're building – you're looking for players who fit your system that's part of what the nfl is all about and yeah the systems are going to change but you can't really prepare for that kind of thing obviously as the giants have proven it's not the only factor they're not just system drafting like they might have been with james betcher in the past or you know coordinators and coaches and general managers who have came in through the system because ultimately they're looking at other things they're looking at how these people are off the field that's a big that's been a big major factor for the Giants in my opinion the reason they drafted Andrew Thomas was one he had a lot of starts in the SEC two he had a lot of productive starts in the SFC and three he was a really good person off the field and they loved the interview with him and they thought that he would be somebody who would never give them a problem off the field would be a good leader for the offensive line and would always be interested in growing and learning and becoming better at his craft of offensive line I don't think they were as confident in some of the other guys they interviewed there that they might have had a higher just raw grade on so I think that will always play a factor and you're not going to have a situation where the Giants are drafting a slew of guys who just have no way no fit no system once Graham moves on yeah and the Giants also like to promote from within if they have somebody who's ready to be a defensive coordinator I don't know if they do but if they do on that roster when Patrick Graham decides to move on and hopefully get a head coaching job then they would just promote that person who already has roots tied to Patrick Graham's defense, and those people can be interchangeable within. Yeah, exactly. All right, this next question comes in from Tony Buscema. I think that's how I pronounce it right, Buscema, Buscema. I don't know. I think Buscema's good. That's Buscema, yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 we'll defer to Nick here, even though he's had an atrocious track record of pr- pronunciating Italian last names. I think this is Italian. I'm not even sure. But Tony asks us, I mean, Tony, and his first name's Tony. He's got to be Italian. Yeah, I mean, that, that that was an oversight right there. It has to be an Italian. Tony, if you're not Italian, please contact us. Yeah, and he started this question with, hey, Nick, good morning, but it was a direct message to me. So he got off to a horrible start there, Tony. <laughs> luckily, luckily for you. Luckily for you, you quickly sent that star. Hey, Dan, good morning. My bad. I appreciated that because I – and, you know, listen, I would love to be uh, mistaken for Nick, but I, I can't pull that off. So I don't, don't know if you – Don't speak ill of yourself, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you prefer a question like this via email, Tony says. I always miss the part of the podcast about which email to send a fan question to. And for those who don't know, best way to get your questions asked are either writing a review on iTunes and asking a question there. We'll answer literally every question we see in the iTunes review. It's a little shameless plug ploy of ours. They call it a strategy to get reviews. We're not. We're, we don't. We don't care. We're not shame. We're not shameful about it. We're gonna throw that right out there. So you want a question answered, best way, but also just to tweet it in an actual reply to us asking for questions. The DMs I will forget from time to time, but I remember this one, Tony. So. He said he's been talking this over with several Giants fans, and none of us understand why you and Nick are seeing or what you and Nick are seeing that has you so down on Matt Parrott. I thought he absolutely showed some NFL starting right tackle traits as a rookie. Definitely got beaten like a drum a few times, but I thought that was all post-COVID, so I gave him a pass on that. But from the way you've discussed it a couple times, it almost sounds like you're ready to just move on and make a premium pick on another tackle. Let me know where I can email this to the show. I'd love to discuss it more. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. I can speak for myself. I'm not down on Matt Pear. I just don't think he's proven the fact that he can be a long-term starter as a right tackle. I'm for adding competition to the right tackle position, like a Cam Fleming or somebody like that, just like they did last year. I'm not necessarily going to invest a first-round pick in the tackles as of right now. Now, he had a 
pretty bad end to the season. You're right. It could be COVID effects. We're not really 100% sure. He had a strong start out of the gate against Washington in that first matchup. But we're just not 100% certain that he is that. And I think fans, I don't want to speak for you, Tony. Maybe maybe Dan and I aren't doing a good enough job speaking highly of him because we're not, we're not trying to write him off. I know I'm not trying to write him off. I'm just saying that... It, I'm not going into the season thinking that, oh, he's definitely going to be the right tackle for this team for the next five years because I don't think he's proven that yet. Yeah, I'm speaking for myself here. I am also not very down on Parrott. I know it might seem that way, I guess, based or at least in your interpretation, it seems that way based on some past comments, but it really just boils down to one thing, and this might be how you interpreted this as us being down on him, but for, at least for me, from my standpoint, he's a late third-round pick. I'm just not someone who is going to sit here and look at every draft pick the Giants make as a starter. When you take a guy at that position, offensive tackle, which is not an easy position to find starters in after round one, really after the top 10, and you could extend it to round one. There's been some recent hit like, hits like Ryan Ramchek and like um, Garrett Bowles, who started out slow in Denver and has now evolved into an excellent offensive tackle. But after that, you're drawing thin, especially when you get deep into round three, like where the Giants drafted Parrott at 99, and they knew from the start he was a raw prospect because he has he had only performed at UConn. I mean, not literally not a single pass rusher he matched up against at UConn was going to be matching up against him at the NFL level. So for me, it's a situation where I'm not penciling in a, a starter from a third-round pick. I also, that's one. Two, I view offensive tackle as one of the most important positions on the roster, one of the most important positions to invest in in order of building roster. So when you combine one and two, it leads me to three. I'm open to taking an offensive tackle at any point of this draft if they feel like he can be an elite player on the roster. And then what do you do in that situation? Well, you have an embarrassment of riches, and that's not such a bad thing to have on the offensive line. You can continue to develop Pert as a tackle and have him as your swing for for, for, for three more years under a really cheap rookie deal. Or... And, and, and also somebody who can come in if Thomas or, let's say, they draft a Rashawn Slater gets injured. Or you start to work him in at guard. You start to convert him to guard. He can play guard. These guys can play different positions. Um, so I'm totally not against it. And as far as being down on Parrot, I'm not down on Parrot at all. I'm just viewing him as what he is, a late third-round pick, a developmental prospect that might hit but might not hit. I really hope that he does. I'm, I'm of course. Obviously pulling for him. That would be absolutely amazing. It would be one heck of a 2020 draft for Dave Gettleman if he found two 10-year starters on the offensive line of bookend tackle positions. All right, one more question, and just wanted to throw in, if you want to find another way to get a hold of us and get your questions answered on the Big Blue Bander podcast, head over to Instagram, NYBigBlueBander. Follow us there, NYBigBlueBander, and send the questions in there, direct message from Robbie Ricardo. Okay, Robbie Ricardo. That's an interesting name. I feel like that... Some, there's been like a TV show or something. Ricky Ricardo, I think that's well, Ricky. It. I was going to say, he could go by Robbie Ricky. He might even be just trolling us here with this. Na- no, nobody trolls their Instagram. Do they? Do people put weird Instagram names? I don't even know. I have my initials and some numbers on Instagram. But Robbie wants to know, what are the Giants going to do about the running back position with Wayne Gallman set to hit free agency and Saquon Barkley coming back off an ACL and not, no guarantee to be either 100% or back for the start of the season? I think if they trade back and get more assets, then they could select somebody in like round three or early day th- three. But honestly, they might just go the UDFA route or sign a veteran that they're comfortable with, like they did last offseason with the Dion Lewis, which isn't exactly the course of action that I would like to see. I would rather get some young legs in there. I mean, I love like what Michael Carter was able to do for the Senior Bowl, but he's going to be a day two pick, and the yeah. Giants are not going to invest, and they shouldn't invest in the running back position at that level. So I would say try to find a small school guy like a James Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars 
did and see if they could uh, hit something there. But they have to address it somehow. I don't think you can go into the season with Saquon Barkley coming off of an ACL, no Wayne Gallman, and then Alfred Morris as your three. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they already have him on the roster. His name's Alfred Morris. He's a young prospect, former undrafted prospect, really fresh legs, really good burst, really good receiver out of the backfield, great route runner, really elusive. That's how I would describe Alfred Morris, this new prospect. Nah, just kidding. Obviously, hopefully the Giants don't let Jason Garrett run Alfred Morris on the field again this next season. They need juice there. You need some elusiveness at that position. You need tackle-breaking ability, and you need route running. You need all of those things to be on the field in the NFL, in my opinion, in today's NFL. So there are guys. They can find them, but they have to be day three, and they need more picks to do it. Giants have already dealt a day three pick they can't either one or two is gone i think the leonard williams cost them another one so they need to find a way to get more day three picks the only way they're going to really be able to do it though is moving off 40 or moving off 11 which i don't foresee totally dave gettleman doing but if they want that luxury they have to go that route if they don't move back and trade back and acquire more picks i would actually say they should just take their they should take their uh you know give it give it a shot in udfa as a as trying to find a undraft free agent i know they didn't have a great success with there with john hillman and maybe not so much with Javon Leak, but there are options there, especially if you do a good job of scouting that position. And also there could be some veteran free agents that I think they should explore as well. Yeah, I'm wondering with the veteran thing. It didn't really work out last year with Deion Lewis, yeah. but hopefully that's something that they'll do and Dave Gettleman won't give a Jonathan Stewart type of contract out to a talent like Jonathan Stewart at that year. Oh yeah, there's no denying they can't <laughs> afford to do that again, but obviously I think Gettleman learned from that mistake. Alright everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. This has been a draft profile of Gregory Rousseau and then a little bit of draft talk about that 11th pick, which we're going to get into in depth throughout the offseason. Again, if you want to help us out, head over to iTunes, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, download, as we're currently getting dumped on with 20, looks like 20 inches of snow. This is massive snowstorm. So we're here. We're recording more podcasts. We're delivering more content. So do us a favor and help us out by giving us a rating review on iTunes. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com